Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Big Ten Hoops Weekly Show presented by Brewbags Coffee. Uh, this is Steve, and I'm here with Brett. I really wanted to start off this week's show talking about um, which of the three coaches in the Big Ten are most likely to get fired this year, that being Juwan Howard, Chris Holtman, or uh, Mike Woodson. But I, 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 we, we literally cannot do that because this week was the week of, I don't want to call it upheaval, but this was the week of chaos at the top of the Big Ten. And lo and behold, it's Purdue that emerges out of all of the chaos, as everyone expected, in the driver's seat. Um, we'll get into that in a second, but I don't know, Brett, maybe next week we can have the conversation about which coach is going to get fired. Two two things on that. One, I think is a pretty clear betting favorite. Um, I won't spoil my pick just in case we do this next week. But the I think the second point is that long, long, long time listeners of our podcast. Uh, so going back a couple iterations will surely welcome back the fire that guy segment. So I am over the moon excited to to get back into that, Steve. Uh, I don't know about you. Yeah. So we know we're off to a good start this week talking about firing people. So with that, on to more exciting things. So a lot of moving pieces um, happening at the top of the conference this week. But uh, the, the place that we have to start is with the Purdue Boilermakers, who I, I feel like we sing their praises almost every podcast um, at, at this point. But I, I would say this, you know, we'll probably look back on this year thinking about this week as the week they kind of see control of things. And, you know, it started with uh, – you know, a game against Northwestern on Wednesday where um, it, it looked like Northwestern was was going to go into West Lafayette and pull off the upset. Uh, they let that game slip away. Purdue came back and forced overtime. Uh, I don't know how much we want to talk about the whole like Chris Collins situation and like complaining about uh, the free throw discrepancy. But, you know, that game to me was sort of a, a, a gut check showing from Purdue that, you know, hey, we're not going to let. Um, you know, we're, we're not going to let an upstart come in and, and win on our home court. We are going to find a way to win no matter what. And then if that wasn't enough, they go to Madison where um, it is, you know, still a very, very difficult place to, to win this year. And they go in and, uh, in my opinion, uh, control that game from start to finish. Um, Wisconsin made runs at, at multiple points, but it never really felt like, you know, that game was not going to end with with a. Uh, with the Purdue win. And, you know, so they got a great balanced effort from everyone. And, you know, there we, we look at up at the standings this, you know, at this point in the season, Purdue's sitting there at 10 and two, they're a game and a half clear of the next closest team with tiebreakers, you know, with, with the tiebreaker advantage in, in most cases. And it, it feels like this is Purdue's conference to lose from here on out. Brett, what do you think? Yeah. I mean, this week really showed that Purdue is up to the challenge um, Two obviously very, very different, but very tough games um, home for Northwestern, a Northwestern team that's really been a thorn in Purdue's side the last couple of weeks. And then, as you said, going on to the on the road in Madison, which is never easy. Uh, I will take one quick sidebar uh, on the Chris Collins thing and say that's how you get ejected from a game. None of this soft Fran, like, you know, staring down refs and whatever. That's how you get tossed from a game. Uh, I loved that he was able to control himself enough to, like, dap up Matt Painter and, and Zach Eady and all those guys at the end. So, like. His frustration was clearly clearly directed at Courtney Green. He got the crowd all into it. That's how you get ejected from a game, especially after the game is already over. And, you know, obviously great effort from Northwestern, putting up 1.26 points per possession. Um, 
52% on 27 attempts from three. Um, but, you know, Purdue finds ways to win these games. And, I mean, 40, 46 free throws is a lot. That's, I think, where I'll leave that, although they couldn't convert. So, you know, ball don't lie to some degree. But, yeah, then Purdue able to kind of keep Wisconsin at arm's length despite a really stellar game from Tyler Wall. Um, and I think the, the notable thing is that, I mean, Edie still had 18 and 13, but it felt like, at least on the offensive end, things weren't coming super easily for him. Um, Nolan Winter and Steve Krall actually did a pretty solid job making him take some tougher shots than normal. And, but he was he was dominant on the glass um, and picked up a bunch of key offensive rebounds, uh, having six and Purdue had 14 in total. But the guy I really want to talk about for this was for the from the Wisconsin game is Lance Jones. He was the only person on Purdue to actually hit a three. Uh, the teams combined to shoot six for 30 from three. And Lance Jones, all of him, all of his threes seemed to come right as the Badgers were kind of on on the verge of completing a comeback um, you know, when the games were close. And Lance Jones played some really great defense on AJ Store, who um, has has shown some kind of questionable shot decisions over the last couple games. But yeah, I mean, Braden Smith and and, and Fletcher Lawyer really kind of lived in the mid range because Wisconsin was doing their best to just deny Edie at the rim while staying out on Purdue's shooters. And you know, when when Purdue hits hits keeps is hitting shots like that from you know semi contested seventeen footers, they're they're going to be really hard to beat. Yeah, and and so you know, I think the other big storyline of this week is sort of what happened to the rest of the contenders after sort of you know amidst also dealing with Purdue this week. So. Um, maybe let's let's start with the Badgers. So it, it was going to be a tough week for Wisconsin this week going into it. You know, they, their their first game was on the road at Nebraska. That's proven to be a really tough place to win this year. You know, and then the prospect of having to come home and face Purdue. I mean, I, I think they were already looking at, you know, a, a, an 0 and 2 week as a likely outcome for for this week uh, before you factor in what actually happened. And I think the the biggest disappointment of the week if you're a Wisconsin fan wasn't necessarily that Purdue game but it was the fact that they blew uh, I think it was a 17 point lead um, in Lincoln had that game in control AJ store you know absolutely balled out and it ended up being a a wasted effort really due to the due to the likes of of CJ Wilcher and and Rinkmast and that Nebraska crew that's you know really putting together a, a, a strong season a, a tournament caliber season uh, but they get another big, big win to sort of, you know, add to their resume. Um, and, you know, Brett, I mean, to me, it feels like this, what was really, you know, a, um, a, a great story for the Wisconsin Badgers this year, you know, vaulting themselves up to a, a top 10, you know, ranking this past week, looking like they are sort of on an inside track to potentially win the big 10 regular season. You know, now it feels like that's, Com- that narrative has completely flipped on its head and not that, you know, they're still going to be a tournament team and, you know, they're well positioned, but I-, I think if you're Wisconsin, really, really tough, tough showing this week that sort of exposed their, their ceiling um, to some degree. Do you agree or disagree? I'm going to push back a little bit because I think the schedule eases up for Wisconsin significantly after this week. They only play Illinois once and that's at home. And then they actually get a rematch with Purdue on the last day of the season. So, you know, we could, we could see the big 10 title on the line on March 10th. I think the issue with the Nebraska game is that, you know, they got out to this 19 point lead, as you said, uh, headed by AJ stores, 18 points in the first half. And then just 
totally lost their heads. I don't know if it was looking ahead to Purdue, thinking they had that game in the bag, but you know, 16 turnovers accounting for over 20% turnover rate, uh, most of them coming in the second half, or a lot of them coming in the second half where they were just throwing the ball at each other's feet or into the third row and just totally uncharacteristic, unforced errors. And, you know, the, the, the this is to take nothing away from, from the atmosphere at Nebraska and how Nebraska is playing offensively, but Nebraska is not a overwhelmingly stifling defensive team. They're 233rd in turnover percentage on defense, so they don't force a ton of turnovers. So it was a game where... You know, on the offensive end, Wisconsin got stagnant and stopped working through the post, which had opened up so many shots beforehand. AJ Store, as kind of mentioned, took a bunch of dumb shots, you know, kind of early in the shot clock, and you know was was pulled was was benched a little bit. But but Greg Gard, you know, in a kind of questionable decision, really kept his starters in the game for the last nine minutes, and everyone just looked gassed, especially in overtime. Um, so that was kind of the issue with Wisconsin, where it was. Uh, just a lack of cohesiveness on offense. And we've, you know, we've seen teams kind of run into this before, but it's not how you win road games. Um, and then on the flip side, Nebraska just started making all of their shots, you know, mast hit a logo three, and then a, a close out the shot clock, step back three over Steven crawl. Um, CJ Wilcher decided he didn't want to miss a shot all game and five for seven from three. Um, and the Huskers really had answers every time um, the Badgers were, were threatening when they even took the lead with a couple minutes left. So, and that was with Tominaga on the bench for a significant amount of time, not because of foul trouble or anything. It was just because C.J. Wilcher and Jawan Gary gave a better gave the Huskers a better chance to win. So kudos to Fred Hoiberg for making the coaching adjustment. And we're seeing him really be able to adapt to his personnel. And, you know, when when these guys are on, even if it's just for a half, uh, they're they're as we've seen, they're really capable of taking down uh, anybody in this conference. The other team that. Also, I think took a blow to their conference uh, title chances this week with Northwestern. Um, and, you know, we talked about their first game against Purdue this week, but they sort of quietly dropped what um, was a game at Minnesota on Saturday, which is one that they definitely needed to get if they wanted to stay in conference title contention. On the surface, like in some ways, this game was more about Minnesota than it was about Northwestern. I mean, you know, the, the fact that Minnesota has a pulse and, you know, this year's they're, they're on the outside looking in as far as the tournament goes. But I guess you could say at this point in the season, they still probably have a puncher's chance at the tournament. I mean, Ben Johnson, I guess they're they're 90th in like the net right now. So that, a puncher's chance if they if they can win games. But they're 14 and seven, five and five in in conference. I mean, I, I would say like Ben Johnson probably saved his job for at least another year, barring uh a, a complete meltdown. But the, the thing that struck me about Minnesota when I've watched them play this year is that you know, they, they just, they look more physical and tough than they have in the past. You, you look at their output this game, all five starters in double figures um, led by Dawson Garcia, you know, depth is going to be an issue with this team, but it was also sort of an issue for Northwestern. You know, they had uh, four guys play 39 plus minutes. Boo Booey played nearly the entire game, all you know, 44 minutes. And, I, I think if you're Northwestern, like this is the kind of game when it's at home, you win. But when you're on the road and you need playmakers that, you know, make big can make big shots and they can slow down your primary guy a little bit in buoy. I mean, you, you, you might drop a game like this. Um, so really, really tough pill to swallow for Northwestern this week as they they absorb a two loss week. And they're now kind of back to the middle of the pack um, with the rest of the conference. Yeah, it, it honestly, I was looking at the conference standings just now and I saw a six and five next to Northwestern and I was like, wait a minute, that doesn't make sense. And then realized like, oh yeah, okay, they've, they've 
had a little trouble hanging in. But I think also like the schedule did them no favors this week. The the back to back Mackie and the Barn is not ideal, but you know that's like that's that's the reality of life in the Big Ten. So you kind of have to take what the schedule gives you. And we had talked we had literally talked about last week about how Northwestern's schedule was easing up significantly after that Mackie trip. So you know they're going to have to grind out some games and i think it was pretty evident that they were getting a little tired by the five points that they scored in overtime while giving up 14 a couple things to harp on there uh a ton of turnovers for for northwestern uh 17 for almost 24% turnover rate uh which is wild for a team that's one of the best in the country at taking care of the ball uh they left seven points on the free throw line even though they did shoot it all right from they shot it well from 3 but only 30% from 2 so that's kind of the story of your game right there. Way too many turnovers and, and missing the easy ones is something that could come back to bite them when, you know, we, we roll down the stretch towards the towards the Big Ten tournament. But and it looks like every Minnesota had four guys play more than 37 minutes this game. So, yeah, I think you're, you're definitely right to call out those depth, the depth. And I also just want to shout out Elijah Hawkins, like another another double double 13 points, 10 assists for the I believe still leading assist man in the country. So it's it's been cool to see him you know, step into elevated competition as after he transferred over from Howard and uh, really take control of this Gophers team. I think you're right at 14 and seven, five and five Minnesota's out outperformed all their expectations so far this year. So I think, I think Ben Johnson has definitely done enough to earn another year. I was glad to see Chris Collins keep his head together a little bit in this game instead, as opposed to the Purdue game, but two back-to-back overtimes for Northwestern, definitely something to monitor as we've, we've definitely harped on their depth a little bit this year. All right, and then finally to round out sort of the rest of the moving pieces at the top of the conference. Um, so you know maybe first let's talk about Illinois. So they get a road win at Ohio State, who is um, I think flailing to say the least. I believe they've lost seven of eight, four in a row, and um, we sort of hit on it in our joke at the beginning about Chris Holtman's job security. But they, um, you know, the Buckeyes, which looked like a tournament team in non-conference play, have slid down to 13th in the conference standings as of this point. So having a rough going at, at it there in Columbus. But nonetheless, Illinois gets the road win. They come back and beat Nebraska at home um, on Sunday night in overtime. And all of a sudden you look up and it's Illinois again at eight and three sitting in second in the conference. They might have the uh, you can debate between whether it's they or Wisconsin that will have the best chance to sort of catch Purdue and knock them off again. But we, we've talked a lot about how they're sort of heating up at the right time. Um, and, you know, with Shannon back in the mix, they definitely look like a, a, a double by team at this point. Um, the other team that it feels like every week it's a different story um, with this team. But also talking about the Michigan State Spartans, they get two wins this week, both at home um, where they – Fended off their in-state rivals in Michigan on Tuesday. Um, after what was a close first half, they they blew them out of the the, the gates in the second half there. And then they also get a, a home win against Maryland on, on Saturday as well. It really looks like this Michigan State team is sort of leaning on their defense. Um, they held Maryland to 31% shooting and under 25% from three. So you know, holding up Maryland team to, to 54 points, really, really impressive. This Michigan State offense is, is not pretty by any means, but they – Tom Izzo like fashion, they just continue to crank out wins. Um, you know, they they we've talked about them absorbing losses at the beginning of the year due to tough competition, but they I mean they're sitting at 22 in the net, and as as long as they like avoid a collapse, they um, should end up in in good tournament position when everything's said and done. Too. Any thoughts on Michigan State or Illinois' weeks this week? Yeah, I think you know we're seeing Illinois 
kind of ramp up with with Terrence Shannon. Um, you know, the, the Nebraska home game going to overtime was uh, maybe a little bit closer than they would have wanted. Um, and it, you know, they but Nebraska can put up, put up a bunch of points. Um, they shot 43 percent from three to Illinois, 27 percent. You know, I think from a strategic point, I'd like to see Illinois less reliant on the on the three ball just because they haven't, you know, there was a, a long period of time where they were not shooting it great. They still aren't shooting it great. They're much better when they can work the ball inside and get to the rim, especially with their smaller lineups, which we're, we're seeing them play a lot more of now. You know, we're, we're seeing consistent output from Domask and, and Coleman Hawkins still, and, and Shannon had not a good shooting game, but still had 18 points against Nebraska, even even though he missed a couple clutch free throws that would have iced the game and, and gave Nebraska a shot to get the game the game-tying shot off in overtime. Michigan State, like you said, it will not be pretty, especially in the first half, but uh, they're they're finding ways to get things done. They they opened the second half on a big run to, to put Michigan away pretty early, and then were able to grind out a nine-point win against Maryland. Like you said, both at home, you know, Jaden Akins had the big game against Michigan, and despite not sh- the team not shooting well, um, they were still able to get over a point per possession on a, a tough Maryland team, So, which – you know, uh, again, another great effort from Jameer Young in a losing effort. But, yeah, I think we're seeing Michigan State kind of become a team that does it more by committee. You know, uh, Hall and Walker had 19 each against Maryland. And that's what's going to that their versatility is going to is going to be what what gets them uh, wins in games where Tyson Walker isn't going bananas. So, you know, Tom Izzo finds a way, and this team is still 17th in the in Ken Palm. Um, so, you know, like you said, it won't, it might not look pretty, but the results are starting to come, and they are uh, sitting at 14 and eight now after a rough start. So things are looking up for the Spartans, who currently sit as a nine seed in the bracket matrix. And then finally, the last team that we wanted to give a shout out to this week is Penn State, which you know Mike Rhodes is sort of quietly putting together what's I would call like a, um, a, a passable first year. Um, they're not just like on paper, but stylistically with, with the way they play too. So Penn State got two road wins this week, which is um, you just, you do not see that very often in, in conference play, but they go on the road to Rutgers first. I'm um, going beat them there. We've talked about how Rutgers offense is um, the opposite of a, a, an artful masterpiece. When, when you watch them play, they, um, Penn State holds them to 46 points in Piscataway um, and gets the win there. So um, not only you know is that a testament to Rutgers' awful offense, but it's the disrupt is a testament to the disruptive nature of the way that Penn State um, plays as well. Where you know these Mike Rhodes teams really make teams uncomfortable. Rutgers had 20 turnovers um, in that game, and they also got out rebounded by eight, which is uh, rarity, I feel like for Rutgers, which is usually solid defensively. So good win for Penn State there. And then they go to Bloomington and they get their first win in Bloomington in, in nearly a decade. And, you know, while I think a lot can be said about just, you know, Indiana and the way that their season's trending with respect to that loss, I mean, Penn State did that without their their leading score, I believe, in Kanye Clary. And so, um, you know, they, they, they've got a little bit of momentum. Um, they might be a team that plays spoiler. Um, as we get down here late in the season. So I, I think definitely they're the, the the team to watch the bottom of the conference. Yeah, they, they actually got both those wins without Kanye Clary. So even even more impressive. Um, they turned the they turned Rutgers over, as you said, literally a million times, um, almost 30 percent of the time. 
uh, in a 68 possession game, which is just absolutely nuts. You know, Ace Baldwin, five steals. DeMarco Dunn, three steals. They're really, you know, we obviously knew this was going to be a, a, a transition year, to say the least, for Penn State. But you know, Mike Rhodes is a hell of a coach, and uh, he's got these guys playing playing tough and physical. And now that they're starting to shoot the ball well, I mean, are they, are they going to be a team that that pops up in the Big Ten tournament semifinals with an outside shot to go to the go to the tournament? I, who knows? Anything's possible. But, you know, kudos to Mike Rhodes and crew for for making teams lives a living hell, both at home and on the road now. Yeah. So I think uh, they're definitely, like you said, the team to watch in that in that bottom third of the conference. All right. That concludes our recap. Before we go to the preview, we will talk about our sponsor. Thank you very much to Brewbags Coffee Company for sponsoring this podcast. Uh, and we would like to let you know that you can rediscover your ritual with Brewbags Coffee and their single serving flavored cold brew pouches. So whether you're looking for an easy way to make your morning cold brew, uh, to save time in your morning, or to have coffee your way while on the road, brew bags are so easy you can brew them in your sleep, and they are so delicious that you will want to wake up and enjoy them. Uh, you can still enjoy free shipping to celebrate their launch and get 10% off your first order by using discount code LAUNCH10, that's L-A-U-N-C-H-1-0, to take 10% off your order. Uh, thanks again to Brewbags for sponsoring this episode. All right, I will kick things off with the games on Tuesday this week. So first, Rutgers heads to Maryland. Um, so Rutgers actually coming off a road win in Ann Arbor. Maryland coming off the loss to Michigan State. Maryland's still relevant when it comes to uh, the tournament. And, you know, we we just harped on how Rutgers makes things difficult for teams defensively. Um, we've also talked about the tendency that Maryland has to lay eggs at home on previous podcasts. So I, I don't know I'd go in expecting that. Um, we just talked about with Penn State how it's really hard to get back-to-back road wins in the conference. I don't know that I would count on the Scarlet Knights for that. Maryland needs needs to have this one, um, and I continue to expect them to to lean on uh, Jameer Young. I think Clifford Maria will make things a little bit difficult for Julian Reese in the post, so this is going to have to be a big Jameer Young game for them to win. Um, second on Tuesday, Indiana heads to Columbus to take on Ohio State in a matchup of two teams heading in the wrong direction. Um, I am looking at the point guard matchup here for where you know we'll probably find the most exciting one-on-one battle between Xavier Johnson and Bruce Thornton. But at the at the end of the day, <laughs> this kind of seems like you know it's going to be a get-right game for for one team or the other. So uh, definitely tune into that if you want to see which team is going to fall on its feet first. Um, and then Michigan State heads to Minnesota. If you're Minnesota, it probably feels like you've got a little bit of momentum going after that win over Northwestern. But Michigan State is quietly on on fire as well, too. So that should be a real fun game. Um, kind of a test to see whether Minnesota is actually for real or not. Um, if they want to keep their puncher's chance of a tournament appearance alive, they're going to need need this one badly. Um, and this one would actually help a lot, given just how high Michigan State's net ranking is. Moving on to Wednesday, we have Wisconsin going to Michigan in a, you know, what should be kind of a get right game for the Badgers offensively. They've they've sputtered, obviously, in that second half against Nebraska and were unable to kind of convert enough to win against Purdue. And the cure is likely a Michigan defense that currently ranks 187th in Ken Palm. You know, I'm, I'm looking for AJ store to make better decisions with the ball and Steve Crowell to reestablish himself after be, having a couple quiet games, understandably. So against uh, the size of Zach Eady, 
Um, and the Badgers really should look to establish the post and work uh, inside out. You know, they'll, they'll need to worry about Michigan's shooting, especially with Doug McDaniel back, because the Badgers do allow a fairly high percentage from three. So that's going to be if Michigan, Michigan's if Michigan can hope to keep up, uh, they're going to need to basically trade threes for twos um, and hope that Wisconsin is a little bit off from three. Uh, I'm I'm anticipating a lot of points this game um, unless Wisconsin can sort of lock down. McDaniel and Kamwa. Um, but I think that this will be a game that Wisconsin will, you know, just seek to get their offense back together after a, a little bit of a scuffling week. Then we have Nebraska heading to Northwestern. So, uh, you know, a, a brutal swing for, for Nebraska ha- having just gone through the ringer in Champaign. I'm, I'm looking forward to this one. I think, you know, Northwestern's defense has emerged as a little bit more of a question mark, just, you know, kind of with their inability to slow down even Minnesota, so, you know, Nebraska's going to look to take advantage from three. And, you know, I think this is another game where there are just going to be a ton of points because both teams like to shoot it from three. Both teams can shoot it from three pretty well. Um, so, you know, if if Tominaga can get going, that's going to obviously just uh, be a lot of trouble for Northwestern. So this is a game where Ty Berry, I think, especially um, who might find himself matched up with Tominaga, um, is really going to have to keep the defense honest and then avoid kind of them having to go inside a bunch. So Bowie and, and Barnheiser and Barry um, are really going to be big if Northwestern wants to hold hold serve at home court. But I think that they're going to be to have enough, have enough in the tank to do so, even after two tough overtime road games. On Thursday, we've got one game, which pits Iowa heading to State College to take on Penn State. Uh, this one feels like it could be one where it's like a 93 to 90 game, just given the, the way that these two teams play. Iowa likes to get out and run. Penn State likes to disrupt and and also run off of turnovers. And so um, to me, this game is going to come down to ball control. And actually, you know, admittedly, I also think this comes down to which team controls the paint better. Um, as Iowa's put on their mini run over the last few weeks of play, I feel like it's it's been sort of behind guys like Owen Freeman and 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 Ben Cricky, um, who have really put up you know, some, some big numbers in, in games, you know, particularly at home when, um, you know, I, I was been able to put up gaudy offensive numbers. Um, so if they can get Kudis Wuhab in, in foul trouble and they can get, I think Iowa's got the advantage as sort of the, the running team. And, um, you know, that, that seems like the key to me to slowing down um, Penn State and being able to outrun them. We didn't talk about Iowa this much this week, but, you know, they, they split their two games last week and they currently sit, at 60th in the net, right on the bubble. So we know the Nittany Lions are kind of surging, um, but this is this is one that feels like I was probably going to need to get if they want to hop into tournament contention. And then maybe I'll take the first two on Saturday since we have a big slate there as well. So first, Wisconsin heads to Rutgers. It, it, it feels like just historically, Rutgers has always had you know Wisconsin's number in Piscataway. Um, but this is one where, you know, I, I think we've talked ad nauseum about how we think Rutgers' defense is like a little bit overrated, even though the numbers look really good. This is a game where Wisconsin's going to need to be efficient. Um, hopefully they, they get right against Michigan early in the week and they can turn it around and get out of here with a win. We talk about a lot how it's really difficult to get two wins on the road in a given week, but I think Wisconsin's got a good chance to do it this week based off of their balance there. And, and just the fact that like, I don't know that Rutgers is going to be able to score enough to, to keep this game close. And then for the second game, this, this has game of the week potential where Illinois heads to, to Michigan state. Um, 
to me, if Illinois wants to prove that they're real as a conference title contender, this this is a game that, you know, they'll have the opportunity to do that. And they're more talented than Michigan State um, and more explosive offensively. But this feels like the kind of game where Michigan State will be the tougher team. You know, if they can, you know, force Coleman Hawkins into foul trouble or for him to turn the ball over too much. And if they can make Illinois guards uncomfortable, you know, when they have the ball, I, I think this is one that that Michigan State gets and they prove that I don't I don't really know how much, honestly, Michigan State has, you know, more they need to prove as far as like how real they are of a, a team this year. But I, I think this will be the most fun game. I think it'll be close. Um, I think Illinois is going to be a little bit uncomfortable. But the, the question is, if it can be close at the end, you know, will their playmakers be able to make more shots than like the Huggard and the Walkers um, can on Michigan State? I think this game should be a real fun one. All right, closing out Saturday. You know, I in what should be in what uh, should be a very big transition from the fun and free willingness of uh, Ohio or uh, Maryland. Sorry, Illinois, Michigan State. Uh, we have Maryland heading to Columbus uh, in what should be. Um, I mean, how many times can we come up with different terms for teams missing a lot of shots between besides Atomic Breakfast, Steve? I don't. I don't know. We might have to add some new. We have to add some new lexicon into our uh, vocabulary. But two teams that have have you know had some trouble scoring the ball. Um, I think the big matchup to watch is is Maryland's defense. Uh, you know, still top six in the country. Um, and Ohio State's offense, um, which we know has the potential to, to be explosive, but uh, they've definitely had some issues recently. Also looking at, uh, you know, the Reese and Akpara battle, I think that's just going to be a fun one if you like um, kind of intricate post moves and, and good defense, as, you know, we always do here at Big Ten Hoops Weekly. Um, I, again, I I don't honestly, I'm honestly not sure who's going to win this game. I'm going to default to uh, Ohio State just because they're holding, they're, they're at home, but you know, they've, they've, as you said, they've lost seven of eight and they are precariously uh, on the verge of losing Chris Holton and his job. So, you know, I think this game will tell us a lot about where they are mentally um, and if they're gearing up to kind of make a, a spoiler run um, in the late season and tournament or if they're just kind of giving up and, and Holtman should it will be uh, looking for a new job this offseason. Michigan also heads to Nebraska again. A lot of offense in this game. Um, it's going to be a lot of three balls, too. So I think, again, this is a high 80s, potentially low 90s game, um, just given the fact that each team can sort of forget what they're doing on defense. Um, you know, the, the 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 vault is a really tough place to play. I think it's actually the bank. I'm, I'm not sure. Pinnacle Bank Arena. Apologies to our Nebraska fans. Um, is a super tough place to play. Uh, and Michigan, I believe, will also be without Doug McDaniel for either the last or the second to last time, given his road game suspensions. And he's so key kind of at the point of attack defensively for Michigan that um, Nebraska is definitely going to be able to get downhill a lot more and open up threes for guys like Bryce Williams and CJ Wilcher, who have been on fire recently, uh, to say nothing of Tominaga. So, you know, a lot of points here. I don't think Michigan has the firepower to keep up without McDaniel. Um, and Nebraska can't really can't lose this game if they want to be, be taken seriously as a tournament contender. Um, so I like them at home. And then we have the in-state rival rematch um, of Purdue at home against Nebraska against Indiana. Excuse me. Uh, and it'll be Purdue's only game of the week. So um, their Ken Palm doesn't even have this as a close game. They have it as a 20 point game. Um, Indiana has been dealing with some injuries. Um, you know, Xavier Johnson didn't play, I believe at all this week. Um, and he's 
key to making whatever they, their offense is trying to look like work. Um, you know, Mike Woodson is, I mean, this getting blown out by Purdue on the road is not a, uh, you know, a bad thing necessarily, but, um, Mike Woodson could do a lot to saving his job if he somehow gets this team to win this game. Um, but I think like we've said, Purdue is just playing at a different level right now. Um, the, the offensive versatility they have, the options they have, uh, outside of Zach Eady are, a lot, especially with Lance Jones shooting as well as he has been, and I do not think that Indiana has the horses to keep up at all. I think this game's over by halftime. And then finally on Sunday, uh, for those of you that are looking for something to do before the Super Bowl, the Big Ten will have you set up with two games featuring the jumbled middle of the conference. Um, first, Penn State heads to Northwestern. You know, uh, we'll see if Penn State is still, you know, surging at at this time, uh, you know, at, at this time next week, but this is, this is one that Northwestern cannot afford to lose. Boo Booey, I feel like, um, might be immune to like the, the not might, might not be immune to the pressure that, you know, Mike Rhodes is going to put on him. And, um, with just how, how well Penn state's been playing, this one feels like one where Northwestern needs to be, um, eyes wide open because, I mean, we talked about this earlier with their matchup against Nebraska as well, but like this is not exactly the easiest slate of home games for like a get well week per se for Northwestern. So um, they they probably need to honestly go go two and zero this week to you know keep the strength of their tournament profile in in good condition. But this Penn State one feels like one where like if you're if you're not ready, you know, on Super Bowl Sunday, and Boo Booey has an off game, they you know they might be at risk of um, losing to, uh, to a hot team coming in there. And then um, finally, Minnesota heads to Iowa. Um, this, I think, will be a, a, a game of contrasting styles, to, to say the least. Um, Iowa, you know, for how good their offense is, they're even better at home than, you know, they are on average. And so uh, Minnesota is really going to need to assert their will physically. They're going to need to slow the pace down and they're, I'm going to need to make sure that they take control of this game early or Iowa will go away and run and hide. Um, The big week for Minnesota, um, it's a potential to take their season from like a nice story to one that's, you know, legit from both the conference standings perspective and, you know, from a, you know, taking their puncher shot tournament resume to one that, you know, actually is on the bubble. So um, I think for for fans of the bubble, this Sunday in particular will will be a, a fun day for you. Um, but I, I think for your eyes, um, neither of these matchups will, will be the most um, appealing ones if you're looking for um, fun, free-flowing basketball. I think both these games are going to be lower scoring than what you're expecting. And, you know, really looking at, at Minnesota and these two games on Sunday to see whether they're for real or not. Um, and that that concludes the show for this week. So thanks, as always, for, for sticking with us. We will be back with you next week post-Super Bowl to break it all down.